Welcome to the Steelers by the Lake podcast. My name is James, joined once again by my co-host Cody. Cody, how are you on this happy Halloween? Happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, James, I'm doing all right. Uh, <laughs> life's getting crazy per usual, uh, it seems like anymore, but I'm doing all right. James, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Might uh, might have new co-workers in the lineup coming up soon here so uh we'll see how things go co-workers but, uh, multiple uh, co co-worker okay i was like they're hiring more than one <laughs> they're becoming they smarter really should. i know they should hire like they four should, but... <laughs> i wonder what the starting pay is for them now because i bet i bet you it isn't 17 mm, yeah i don't know man we'll see what they're doing i think they should raise it but We'll find out. Anyways, we're going to talk Steelers news with you guys. This is not the first episode of the month. Obviously, it's Halloween. It's the last episode. So next Sunday, reminder, when we record next Sunday, since we don't have a uh, game next week, uh, we will talk uh, month recap downloads to top states, top countries, all that stuff. Uh, So keep a look on that. But we're going to talk Steelers news real quick. Uh, And something that was a a big kicker at the beginning of of everything was Chris Boswell. Uh, The kicker was uh, injured. He injured his groin. Uh, during practice or during the week last week. And so he was uh, more than likely going to miss. With that being said, Pittsburgh went and signed Nick Skiba. Uh, Skiba was signed to the... Skiba. I said Skiba again. (laughs) Skiba um, signed to the practice squad and then released Josh Malone in return. And then obviously they elevated him for the game. Skiba came in and uh, Skiba Skiba played pretty well. We'll get to that later, but he played pretty well. Yeah, he was all right. Um... What a kick to the groin, huh? Not having uh, Chris Boswell out there. That's yeah, a little sure. bit. Uh, also, before we get too far into this, I just want to remind people, if you're listening to this and you have not clicked on the subscribe uh, button on whatever platform you're listening to or viewing on, don't forget to do that. Uh, you don't want to miss out on any of these shows, especially this next one that we're doing next week on Sunday. Uh, it's going to be a big show telling you what's going on so far halfway through the season. Uh, and what Pittsburgh can do to kind of correct course, get going in the right uh, direction, uh, not to mention uh, <laughs> second half of the schedule. It's a little easier than the first half was. Uh, so we're going to talk about a lot of stuff on that show. But on to this show we go uh, after the transactions with Chris Boswell and Nick Skiba, uh, who, if the name sounds familiar, he was on the practice squad or on the preseason roster. He played for the Steelers this preseason. Um they elevated Nick Skiba from the practice squad to the 53 for the game day roster. In addition to that, also Carlos Davis, yep. uh, which as we would find out when the inactives were uh, declared, uh, that was due to the injury, uh, the lingering injury to Larry Ogunjobi. Uh, so the inactives for the game, Mason Rudolph, per the usual, Chris Boswell, uh, per the groin injury, Larry Ogunjobi, who missed with the back, Levi Wallace, who missed with the shoulder, Josh Jackson, who I think he was a groin too, uh, Mark Robinson, a healthy scratch, and Kendrick Green, a healthy scratch uh, due to lack of playing ability. This was Green, not with Robinson. Correct, correct, correct. Um, so those were the injuries, or inactives before the game, not injuries. So, uh, And then the game happened, which... You could call it a football game. I didn't feel like I watched a football game. It was at the beginning. I felt like I, well, yeah, I guess that's fair. The first drive was all right. Well, excuse me. The second drive was all right. The first drive was three and out. Um, (laughs) 
but yeah, uh, typical. Yeah, you expect it at this point. I don't know. I don't even know where. Like, I know we're gonna go. I know what we're gonna do this game. Like for the recap, we do it every week. We go through the quarterback and the wide receivers, the running back, tight end. But this game, man, uh, just spoke volumes, in my opinion, to how hot and cold, mostly cold, Pittsburgh can be this year. Uh, that yeah. first that first touchdown drive with the the end around the the trick play and the pass from Clay, Chase Claypool to Derek Watt. Uh, I think really solidified how well Pittsburgh can play. Uh, Kenny Pickett, even on that drive, had a phenomenal. I think he, I don't think he missed a pass on that drive. Yeah. Or maybe yeah, he was like seven for seven or eight for eight or something yeah. crazy. And then it just and then it just tanks. And I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't know if it's it's if, if it's specific defensive schemes that they can't play against, or if it's a, a specific blitz package, or or what it is that Pittsburgh's like. Oh, we can do this. <laughs> just kidding. We're not gonna. Like, it's just wildly different from any other team I've seen play. You look around the league and you know teams that are good and teams that are bad. And then you look at Pittsburgh and you're like, they're bad, but it's because they're good and bad. Like, you, we've seen them play really well. And we've seen them play absolutely horrible. And most of the time it's in the same game. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it's so frustrating to me. It's, it's starting to become really predictable. Uh, like on the the first drive, they get the third and one, and what do they do? They bomb it deep and complete and kick and end up punting. Like, what are you doing? It's third and one. Why in the hell are you bombing it deep? That is a second down situation. That's a, a first down situation. Never on third and one should you be bombing it deep. That is like the last out of a hundred things you should do on third and one is bombing it deep. So just. Uh, this was one of the first times that I looked at it and I said, man, like I, I have had a lot of times where I've, I've watched a play happen and said, you know, it was a bad decision by the quarterback. He threw to the wrong guy. Uh, some of these calls though, man, like as good of a call as it was to call that reverse pass by Claypool for a touchdown to, to Derek Watt, it was just as bad to bomb it deep on third and one. Yep. Um, and it just as bad as, as that decision and that play call was, uh, was the consistency of Deontay Johnson just looking like he didn't know what he was doing out there. Yep. You know, you know Kenny Pickett's thrown it in one place and Deontay is nowhere near it, or he decides once again that it's not close enough, so he's just not going to continue running his route. And just over and over, when he threw in the direction of Deontay Johnson, there was a huge disconnect. Uh, and Kenny even said after the game in his interview that we don't study enough. We're not in the film enough. Yep. We're not working hard enough throughout the week to win on Sundays. And it shows on Sundays. And then went as far as to say, we keep on doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And that's just crazy. Yep. Um, and, and I think the first part was probably a direct shot at some of the co his teammates uh, and I would say specifically Deontay Johnson, because he's the only one that the ball was being thrown in his direction, but it was drastically off on a regular basis as if he was running the wrong route or not reading the defense correctly or giving up on the route. Everybody else, when the ball was thrown in their direction, the ball was close or catchable. Yep. Uh, and Deontay over and over, it wasn't. Deontay Johnson for, I believe the third, if not fourth week straight was the most targeted receiver and somebody out caught him. So, uh, yeah, and how many targets do he have this week? Like, nine. like a dozen, nine, nine, and he caught, and caught five what, of them, four or five, five, yeah, 
He keeps on hovering right around 50%. If you're a number one wide receiver, that's awful. Chase Claypool targeted six times, caught four. Pat Frymuth targeted seven times, caught four. One was almost an interception, thrown a little high. Uh, Najee Harris targeted six times, caught six. Uh, Jalen Warren targeted three times, caught three balls. Uh, Derek Watt targeted two times, caught two balls. Uh, Zach Gentry targeted once, caught one. Uh, The only player that I think had a bigger uh, sad day than Deontay would be George Pickens, targeted three times, zero catches. Yeah. And the one was a catch that should have been challenged. Yeah. Uh, that was irritating to me, but uh, what are you going to do on that? But yeah, to, to me, it, the offense is looking predictable. It's looking stale and, and it's, it's predictable in the result as to basically if you throw to Deontay and you need it, you're not going to get it. Yep. Yep. That's how it's been going. That's what we're, what we've been seeing again. Yeah. We'll, we'll go through this. Like we normally do. We'll talk specific positions. Um, Kenny Pickett, not a great game. Uh, 25 of 38 for 191 yards and interception. Um, I don't know. Kenny Pickett, I feel like... And Bill Cowher even said something about this too. At what point... Um, I don't remember the exact quote. I don't know if you saw this or not. Um, yeah. I'm going to look it up real quick. Yeah, he was saying that they're leaning too many times you've got to get their ground game going you've Mm -hmm. got to take some pressure off of them it's absolutely too much pressure for a rookie quarterback uh in and i would go a little further as to say uh you know not necessarily the number of throws being asked of him is too much uh but the lack of quality protection uh in this game the offensive line let him down drastically uh, and he still completed two thirds of his passes uh, while being obliterated play after play after play. Uh, these guys are not handing off blitzes well. Uh, stunts are happening right in front of them, and they're not doing anything correctly as far as picking up the guy that's coming from one direction or another. Uh, there was one play where Hargrave came straight into uh, Kevin Dotson's chest. Dotson handled it. There was no one outside to the left as far as defender, so he handed it off to Dan Moore, who then just let him run right on by and continued blocking no one. Yep. How is that even a concept that there's no one in front of you, no one around, and you're not looking for work? How are you not looking to your right and saying, hey, there's a defender here. Let me put a hand on him at least to help out my guy to the right. There's such a disconnect with the offensive line in helping each other that it blows my mind. Uh, and, and I know that a lot of these guys are playing together for the first time. I feel like Mason Cole is playing pretty injured. Uh, we saw Chuk Sikor for limping really badly at the end of last week's game. So I feel like there's a decent chance he wasn't 100% either. Um, but I feel like these guys need to start taking it personal. Uh, they, I need to see them jumping into piles. Like mm-hmm. a, a perfect example, there was a pass play to Chase Claypool where he was probably about five yards short of the first down marker. And he starts driving his legs. And then who comes in? But Connor Hayward comes in and smashes into the pile. And they take the whole thing another 10 yards. And he's five yards past the first down marker because of it. Yep. Why are we getting that effort out of our third string tight end and none of the offensive linemen? No clue. Couldn't tell you. That's the nasty we've been looking for, though. But it's not there. Not not from the offensive line. Not from the offensive line. Nope. I'll tell you who I'm starting to see it from, though. That's Chase Claypool. Yeah. 
Yep, Chase Claypool. Chase I think. is playing angry. He's on the sidelines pissed when things aren't going well. And when people try to tackle him, he is powering through and going for extra yards on a regular basis. Uh, and he's starting to look like a guy that you can build around. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Again, not to go too far off topic with all these players and the play style and stuff, uh, but Kenny Pickett, again, he was sacked, what, six or seven times this game? Six times. Six game, times yeah. he was sacked this game. You can't have your mm-hmm. rookie quarterback going through that. And don't get me wrong. I, I believe that Kenny Pickett is a phenomenal player and is easily starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think Trubisky should be coming in at this point and playing just to preserve the rookie quarterback's confidence level, which is what Bill Cowher talked about. Um, and again, you know, people talk about Bill. Cow- Everyone wants to compare Mike Tomlin and Bill Cowher. And, and I've been on that boat before too. I think it's hard. I think, I think Tomlin is failing this team right now on the co- uh, because of what he's doing, coaching the coaches. I think the coaches are failing and Tomlin's not. I haven't seen him take responsibility enough for it, in my opinion. Um, And maybe that'll change this week. Maybe it won't. I don't know. People are calling for, you know, Canada to be fired. I don't know if that would help anything at this point. I really don't. Um, Because then you have. No, and who are you going to put in? Well, that's my point. Yeah, that's my point. (laughs) Um, Some coach that's not in the NFL right now is going to be a better offensive coordinator than him. Yeah. So there's there's pros and cons to it. I think the pros is you're showing your t- the benefit of firing somebody like that in this situation is you're showing your team that you can't get away with not doing the job well. That's the only benefit. That's it. Because then they realize, hey, Coach Tomlin, the Rooney family, whoever, uh, the, the, the head office, the front office people understand that, you know, when we're not playing well, you can't just get away with that. But... The downfall is then you're going to go through the rest of the season trying to learn a new playbook, new play style, this and that. It's not going to get much better, if any better, after that. So there's a challenge there. But I think that you need to do something in order for for Kenny Pickett to have a better chance because with the offensive line, it's not like the offensive line that Ben was behind when he was a quarterback and went 15-1. and That offensive line was pro bowlers right to left. Like, it was crazy. Um, Literally, yeah, you had three Pro Bowlers on that offensive line. Yep, going away of a Pouncey to Castro. I mean that 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 goes down as maybe one of the best offensive lines the Steelers ever had. Yeah, and ever will have probably. Yeah, so you're um, not going to have that now. Yeah, no. Let, let's move and, to running backs. To Unless... me, real quick before we run off of that topic. Yeah, uh, I would say that now is the worst time to bench Kenny Pickett and put in Trubisky. Okay, and I say that because the schedule is finally getting easier. He has just gone through the worst part of the schedule, the toughest opponents that we have the rest of the year. And to pull him before the easy stretch comes up, I think would personally be criminal. Uh, That's fair. I, I think that would be awful to pull him. With that. So I, I staunchly disagree with, with Bill Cowher on that particular idea. Uh, and I think that the biggest thing that they need right now is a reality check to some of the underperformers. Uh, and some time to heal. I I feel like Mason Cole is very obviously playing injured uh, and Mason Cole injured is still better than JC Hassenhauer, which that's just the way it works in the NFL. The backups are basically always a lesser quality. Um, And a core of four, obviously we don't have a backup tackle anywhere near good enough to be out there. Uh, But these guys have some, some ankle and some lower body stuff that having an extra week off from practice will help heal. Time helps heal these kinds of things. 
uh, but their pride needs to be damaged right now. I, I hope that they their pride is hurt, and I hope they come into this next game playing angry. As they should. Con- controlled, but angry. Yep. Yep, TJ Watt will be back. Hopefully that'll revamp, which again, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter if TJ Watt is in there or not, but hopefully that will revamp the team, the defensive side of the ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. Obviously the secondary has been dealing with injuries and everything, but uh, we have a good chance to, to change things after the bye week. Again, we're getting off topic a little bit. Let's try to go back here. Uh, the running game was absolute trash. Najee Harris made a very uh, straightforward complaint about the offensive line performance, saying that he can't make the holes. He can't do everything. Um, mm-hmm. He had eight rushes for 32 yards, a four yard per carry average, which is probably his best all year. Um, but again, but most of that was in the second half when the game was already over. Correct. Uh, when, when the defense was backed off playing the pass, you know, it it was what it was. Jalen Warren led the team with six rushes for 50 yards with 19 being his longest. Jalen Warren is proving to be a solid backup, which I'm very excited about. Uh, there's no name coming out of nowhere, being able to do that. Kenny Pickett, seven rushes for 37 yards. Uh, and the one fumble loss, Steven Sims, two rushes for 21 yards. Uh, and then Marcus Allen apparently had a rush. I didn't catch that. Yes, um, that was the fake punt. Fake punt. That the makes fake sense. Punt. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, a couple takeaways for, for me from here. Uh, it's nice to see Kenny making some things happen with his legs, converting yep. some first downs, uh, extending plays and throwing the ball away. Uh, instead of taking those losses. Uh, it was nice to see a couple longer runs, even though they were in the second half when the defense was backed up. Because up to this point, the longest run the offense had had was an 18-yard run by Gunnar Olszewski. And then uh, other than that, it was like 16 for Najee. Uh, so Najee busting off an 18-yarder, Jalen busting off a 19-yarder, does give you a little bit of momentum in the rushing game, which they need badly. Because uh, we've got to start getting some success with that. Uh, and finally, I felt like this was the most effective that the jet sweep had been yet this season. Uh, Steven Sims looks like a real natural on that jet sweep. Uh, so I'd love to see him incorporated more in that in the future. Uh, his ability to make people miss uh, and really just go into it full speed. I think that's been part of the issue is that guys have been getting that that handoff on the jet sweep and not going full speed and trying to, to pick and choose and find a hole. And sometimes that hole is created by running full speed. Yeah. Uh, Cause you blow past everyone before they get an opportunity to get downfield and get at you. Uh, and it seems like maybe Steven Sims is just a natural at that. Yeah. Uh, and if that's the case, fantastic. Let's play him 20 plays a game. I will say some of that. Um, excuse me. I will say some of the success from that, I believe came from that, early play with the Chase Claypool uh, pass. I think some of their players had to be more disciplined staying at home with the guys, their receivers, and not let them run past them. So I think that actually helped. But that's what we've been Absolutely. saying the whole time. You, We've mm-hmm. been saying this. You can't just run an end around every time. you got to play action, an end around, and, and run the ball. you got to play action, an end around, and pass the ball. you got to play action, or you gotta you got to do that and pass the ball with the receiver coming across. Like, you have to be... Yeah, different with this kind of kinds of stuff. So it was nice to see that, and nice to see that work. Yeah, got to show the same look, but have multiple plays coming out of it. You're yep. you're 100 right on that. That's that's what makes things effective. That's what makes things 
uh, tough to defend. I knew that um, in 2005 also, playing Madden. Come on, Canada. Yeah, right. Freaking figure it out. <laughs> run a no huddle with the same offense, offensive unit out there, same formation, and run a different play. That's all you got to do. Do that like four or five times a game, and you're going to keep people on their toes. But we haven't done it once, really. <laughs> uh, also, weird side note, did not realize that Chase Claypool is left-handed. Neither did I. That startled the crap out of me. I was like, this dude just straight up did. And then I was like, okay, he's left handed. He's left handed. That was (laughs) was a good throw. Let's give him credit. It it looked awkward. Oh, yeah. He's left handed. It looked awkward. Whatever. Anyways, (laughs) um, we, we talked about the the wide receivers for the most part. The, I mean, I went through all of them talking about their targets and receptions. Friarmuth had 57 yards. Claypool had 45. Johnson had 35. Uh, Najee Harris, 26. Jalen Warren, 25. Again, Jalen Warren coming out in the rush game, leading the team and in the pass game, being on there with 25 yards. That's great. Uh, we love that. Derek Watt had six receiving yards and the, obviously the one touchdown. And then Zach Gentry only had three yards. Steven Sims had a negative one yard uh actually it was like a negative three yard catch um but unfortunately for him he just didn't get involved very much in the passing game which is kind of what we've expected out of him um we we talked about it already Deontay Johnson consistently the weak spot on this offense minus the offensive line of course um at some point seven yards a catch it's that's not cutting it man at some point you gotta do something about it though yeah people were dogging um Juju the last couple of years for averaging eight and a half, nine yards a catch. Uh, now we got Deontay averaging less and nobody's talking about it. And he's getting paid more. Way more. Yeah. Way more. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, Juju was a better teammate. He was always blocking for people. Uh, he was always jumping into piles. He was the one that would recover the fumbles when yep. a teammate recovered. I couldn't tell you how many times he did yep. that. He, um, he's yeah. the one that laid out Vontez perfect in, in revenge against Antonio Brown. Yeah. Love that play. Yep. It's- we need to see more out of Deontay. I've I feel like if this offense is gonna make the turnaround, uh it's gonna be because they're relying more on Claypool and Pickens and less on Deontay. Yep. Yep. I wouldn't be opposed to benching him. Too. Let's be real. Fryermuth is low key having a nice season. Uh, he was another one that was having an issue with not enough yards per reception last season. Yeah. Uh, and he's really, really improved that this year. Uh, so, um, yeah, nine very point, happy to see that that go uh, in the right direction. Last year was eight point three yards per reception. This year he's averaging eleven point five. So that's fantastic. That's um, huge. Yeah, it's and first we're, down every catch. Yeah, we're halfway through the season, and he's already over halfway to his reception total from last year, um, and he's already over double his or almost. He's above fifty percent of his yards from last year as well. Um, he was only averaging 31 yards per game last year. He's averaging 52 so far this year. So that's great from him. Uh, unfortunately, just yeah, lower on the, the touchdown. Yeah, unfortunately, just lower on the touchdown. He had seven last year. He has one so far this year. And I think yeah. it was like, it was like week one or something. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever. But again, you know, Fryermuth has been playing well, and I'm very excited to see him continue. Um, and that tight end room, the tight end room showing up. Zach Gentry, even Connor Hayward, they're, they're performing better than I think you'd expect a second and third string tight end to perform at this point. Um, defensive side. Well, yeah, the, the offensive line. Go yeah. Ahead. Yeah. Let's talk about them. Um, Connor Hayward. It's, it's neat to see somebody making an impact in a game uh, when they have nothing on the stat. Nothing, sheet. nothing. Yeah. I mean, I think he had a tackle. I want to say he had a special teams tackle. 
Mm. Uh, but like <laughs> at a certain point in time, um, hopefully people start getting off Derek walks Watts back too. like, I've heard way too much in the past of people talking about Derek Watt makes too much money, blah, blah, blah. Uh, man's got nice hands and he's a good blocker. And you're finally starting to get to see a little bit of that this season. Uh, a lot more usage than he got last year. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, offensive line uh, left to right. Uh, I would say ugly performance, ugly performance, ugly performance, ugly performance, and ugly performance. Yep. I don't think any of them get a passing grade. Uh, they didn't open any holes in the first half. The game got out of control very quickly. Uh, and the only thing that was worse than their run blocking in the first half was their pass blocking. Uh, continuously allowing people through the uh, the A gaps and B gaps right down the middle, uh, right in, in Kenny Pickett's face. Uh, you had people coming right completely unblocked on the outside with no one picking up the, the blitzer. Just uh, it looked like they, they'd never played together before, and it looked like they were all hurt. And I know a couple of them probably are, uh, but you absolutely have to get better performance out of these guys uh otherwise next year's draft class needs to look like at least two offensive linemen in that draft class because uh, you're just not seeing it out of these guys right now it is not good enough no not at all not at all um i don't have anything else to say about the offensive line man i'm just over watching them not play well and watching them not play well to the point where it's almost like they don't care like, I don't see them getting mad about it. They go over on the sideline, they sit down, they wait for the next time up. It's almost like it's just routine for them to suck this bad. And, yeah. at, and at some point, don't get me wrong, and this is the hard part, is they're grown adults, they're men. At some point, they need to have accountability and call themselves out and call each other out. But the coaches that are paid to do this are failing them. The, the fact that I have not seen a video or, or seen a image from the sideline of a coach going off on them is sad because they're failing in almost every aspect of what they're paid to do. If I did that at work, I, you know how much I'd get in trouble and yelled at, and I'm not even getting paid close to as much as they are. Like it's sad, man. Uh, I just want to see more accountability. I would love to see Cam Hayward over there yelling at him on a kickoff or something where, where they're not all on the field at the same time. Like I, I realize they're different sides of the ball, but Cam Hayward's a vocal leader on that team and can call them out. Uh, and I think that would mean a lot coming from someone on the opposite side of the ball almost. Um, so I don't know. I think it needs to come from within the room. I agree, I but it's not. One of those five offensive linemen needs to sack up and say, I don't care if one of my teammates punches me in the face, I'm going to get in their face and call them out for playing bad. Uh, and yeah, that's the problem right now is we need to have that one guy that's the clear cut best of all of them that they can lean on that can kind of take the reins and say, follow me. This is how we do things. And we don't have it. Nope. Not even close. Yeah. You know, probably the two best linemen are, are going to be Chooks and, and James Daniels on the right side. Uh, and, and Chooks only knows what he's, he's been with the Steelers uh, and James Daniels, other than the Steelers is just knows the bears. Uh, so tell me how much success he's seen in the NFL. None. Not a lot. <laughs> That's yeah. for sure. So we got guys that are just used to, well, hey, if we won half the games, we're doing all right. 
Like that's not good enough. We we got to have somebody takes a little more pride than that. And that's why I like seeing Najee Harris speak up after games, uh, and even Kenny pick uh, speaking up after games because these guys are used to winning. They're used to winning, and it really bothers them that they're not winning. Yep. Uh, and it should bother all of them. It should. It's not yet, but it should. Yeah. You're starting to see it though. It's bothering Chase Claypool. Bothering Kenny bothering Pickett. Bothering George Pickens. Bothering Najee yep. Harris. B- bothering Najee. It's bothering the guys that matter right now, which is a good thing. Bothering Cam Hayward, that's for sure. Yep. And you know who else I bet it's bothering that we just haven't heard of yet? TJ Watt. Oh, I guarantee. TJ yeah, Watt. Yeah, you're going to find out on the field. You're going to find I, out I feel real bad fast. Or whoever is starting for the Saints, I feel bad. <laughs> Andy Dalton. <laughs> yeah, that's. I don't know about the two. He threw two pick sixes in like three minutes. I don't know. Um, Who else is there still? Taysom is still there, but he's Jameis, more of a tight end. Right? Jameis and Jameis and Taysom are the two other guys there. I believe. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Boy, that's that's other than Taysom, that's some pretty immobile guys that are you know right where they're going to be. <laughs> on the and that ground be a better formula for tj <laughs> yep so yeah uh moving on to the defensive side of the ball we talked about the offense enough unfortunately whatever um yeah defensive line carlos davis we had talked about already getting a sack um and cam hayward had a sack on the game both those guys played very well um carlos davis obviously limited snap count cam hayward was in there often um other than that montrevious adams uh, was in there and got a freaking what, what penalty did he get? I don't even remember now. I saw it and I was mad. Um, uh, I think he got an, an encroachment or an offside. So yeah, I remember I think, that vaguely. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but but not a whole lot of production from the defensive line category. You you just saw those two sacks. You also had one from Malik Reed, who technically was a down lineman, I believe, on that one sack play. Um, even though he's technically outside linebacker, um, position. I don't know. I I felt like I wanted to see more from the offensive line specifically. Yeah, I want to say um, again, good pressure from from Cam. A good portion of the game, uh, not much from the rest of the interior guys, other than Carlos Davis showing some good hustle and getting to that one sack. I did notice on one run play they tried to run to the left. Uh, Isaiah Loudermilk had the outside, uh, and he got his guy in a stalemate position. Uh, and then he stacked and shed, and then he made the tackle, and it was a one-yard gain, and that was it. Uh, and I liked seeing that, a guy understanding, um, not only containing because he was the end of the line, uh, so he contained it by getting a little bit of pushback uh, and then was able to shed his blocker, make the tackle, and get him to the ground for, for almost no gain. Uh, so I think there's some steps in the right direction with Loudermilk, uh, but I'm looking at this, this – uh, list right here as far as like tackles assists sacks all that and i'm not seeing uh two guys on here tyson Alualu and montrevious adams and they both logged a decent number of snaps yep uh so you gotta you gotta show up on there somewhere other than i was called for a penalty like that is just not good enough out of our nose tackles uh d tackles whatever you want to call them and you got to think that that's something that's going to get addressed in the off season uh in Alu Alu going into retirement, most likely. Adams, I don't know if they're going to bring him back or not. It's one of those things where if they don't have anybody else, they probably will, um, especially yeah. with, with Alu Alu more than likely going into retirement. Um, 
you can't solve everything in the offseason, although we would like to. You can't solve everything through free agency. You can't solve everything uh, through the draft. You would like to solve at least major issues, which this defensive line probably is one at this point, but so is the offensive line. So is the the cornerback room, the safety. Well, yep. not, not necessarily. Safety depth is an issue, I think, at this point. Um, but th- there's a lot of things that they got to look into and try to figure out. And and the, I say the offensive line there, you could draft every single position and potentially get a starter. I think personally, um, and not in the sense of, let me clarify, not in like, you couldn't draft five guys in a row, but in the first round, you could draft any offensive position and there's a chance they could start over who we have in, on the team now, which is kind of sad. Minus maybe mm. what Kevin Dotson Chooks I would are the say two guys. Offensive line, yeah, all five positions. Um, wide receiver, probably not. Tight end, probably not. That's what I meant. And, uh, offensive line specifically. Okay, so you meant, yeah, yeah. Offensive line, yeah. I think if you take a guy in the first round, left guard over who we yeah. have. Left guard, left tackle, right tackle, yeah. right guard, center. Like it doesn't matter. It's it's an upgrade no matter what, most likely. There's the a chance you could draft someone in the second or third who could be a starter. Like, that's where we're at right now. Absolutely. So, well, and that's what they need to do. Let's be real. We've been talking about this for a couple of seasons. Pittsburgh isn't drafting offensive linemen before the third or fourth round for a long time now, and it's starting to show. Yep. It's starting to show. You're putting all these guys out there that are mid-round talent, and they're facing teams like the Eagles that are loaded with first round guys on their defensive line or people like Hargrave that have proven it in the NFL and got two sacks against our own line. Tell me he wasn't chomping at the bit to do that. Oh yeah. And a forced fumble. Yeah. Uh, And then they got guys like Jordan Davis, who's freaking a monster. Thank no, I'm happy. He's not. Yeah. Happy. He's not super hurt, but thankfully he went out for a little bit. First round pick. Yep. Like, then the other D tackle, they're absolute monster and has been for years and Fletcher years. Fletcher Cox. Like, yep. Yeah, Fletcher's amazing. Like this is a, a stud group of defensive linemen, and a lot of it is because of high draft picks or high investments in free agency. Uh, you got to do it. You can't just keep on ignoring it and bringing in these mid tier guys or you know giving up a, a fifth or sixth round pick for a guy like Chris Wormley and expecting him to be good enough. It's not. It's not. So I'm, I I'm feel excited like we... to see the Marvin Leal come back. Yeah. Um, I want to move on to outside linebackers if you're cool with that. Yeah, let's talk about him. Okay. Malik Reed, best game of the season that he's had thus far. Hands down. Um, he, had a, he had a pass yeah, breakup he, too. Yeah, he had a pass breakup. Uh, he had his first sack of the season. Uh, he got some pressure throughout the course of the game. Uh, obviously, there wasn't enough from anyone, but the fact that they got three sacks in this game was a big step in the right direction for not having T.J. Watt still. Uh, Highsmith, I felt like, got a lot of pressure, uh, but just couldn't get there to get the the actual sack. Yep. Uh, and again, part of that is it's a collective thing. If only one person gets to the quarterback, then he can go wherever he wants to to escape. Yep. Uh, so the other people also need to be collapsing the pocket to give them nowhere to go. Uh, that's how Carlos Davis got a sack. Uh, Alex Highsmith pushed the pocket. He forced him out. Uh, next thing you know, it's right into where Carlos Davis is at, and he gets the sack. I want to say one more thing about Carlos Davis that that was on that sack play that spoke more that spoke to me more than some other people's play. He fell down on the play that he got the sack. A lot of guys in the NFL that are guys that you know come up from practice squad, this or that, back of the roster guys. 
fall down. They're like, oh, sh- shoot, I fell down, whatever. They kind of slowly get back up. He got back up quick and was able to make the sack because of it. He did not stay on the ground. He did not just give up on the play. He did not look around and be like, okay, what happened? He got right back up and made the play happen. Loved yep. it. Loved yep. to see that. Got happen. right back to his assignment too. Yep. He knew that he had contain on that side and he got up and started flying to that Cause, direction. Cause the, him because and, of that hustle, he made it happen. Him and Hayward run, ran a stint on that play or a stunt yeah. and uh swapped. Stunt. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was a great play. Love to see it. Love to see that. Yeah, effort. absolutely. That kind of heart, you know, maybe this is somebody you can use in your rotation in the future. Yep. Uh, I know yep. that Carlos Davis in previous years when given an opportunity really didn't show much. Uh, but I, I did like at least what I saw from him as far as hustle and effort uh, in this game. Uh, you don't get that sack without it. So, yeah. Uh, other than Highsmith and Reed, the other outside linebackers didn't make an impact in the game. Nope. Uh, middle linebackers also not much of an impact in this game. Nope. Um, Miles could have used Robert's more, playing. but they weren't the biggest. They weren't the biggest issue in this one. No, we know uh, what the biggest issue was. <laughs> yeah, we're going there right now. We're going to the cornerback room. Yeah, uh, biggest issue of the day was the corners. Uh, even the safeties, to a degree, didn't get there and didn't help out. Uh, the first touchdown given up, Minka Fitzpatrick should have picked. Could have made the play if he makes a better play on that ball. It's an interception and it changes the tone that's set because they're not going to continue to pound AJ Brown play after play. If if the first time you go deep to him, he gets picked off. Yep. You're not as likely to go to him. Uh, so in that play, Terrell Edmonds was in man coverage on him. Minka realized it, uh, got back there and actually got in position, uh, but then just mistimed it as far as getting at the ball. And, and I would even argue he, he wasn't in position. He had the opportunity to be in position, but didn't high point the ball correctly. He went, he basically yeah. well, went he, behind he AJ Brown. Ball. Yeah. He went behind yeah. AJ Brown rather than in front of him. Um, yeah. not gonna, not gonna work that way. So Yep, and then the next couple of times it was Akella Witherspoon getting beat by A.J. Brown, who just you, you, yeah, had better get comfortable with that name during that, that game because A.J. Brown was an absolute terror versus our guys. Uh, and you could tell, we talked about it in the pregame show, uh, that this is a guy that's built kind of like a running back, uh, 230-pound receiver that's only six foot tall. He's very strong. The swole uh, Well put together and – you could tell it was it was like a, you know, a college kid playing against high school kids. Yep. Uh, it seemed like a big difference in talent. Uh, talent and Kelly Witherspoon got benched in the game because of it. Yep. As he, he should. Did, you know, That's what the fact that that hasn't happened to Deontay Johnson yet ticks me off. Yeah. Because you can do it to your defensive guys, but you can't do it to your offensive guys. What? Because they're probably worried about his ego. Because Deontay Johnson is so up his own butt about feeling like he's owed this or owed that or he he's the star receiver so this and that he hasn't shown it not once no. this year in my opinion has he shown it nope so he's had moments in in games but not to me it's got to be a i got to see 60 minutes of you trying your absolute hardest and making plays and i haven't seen it yet and how many times has he had the opportunity in the end zone this year where he caught a ball and didn't get his feet in bounds i want to say it's been three or four times now uh, where he could have made a big impact and made a touchdown catch and has zero on the season because he just isn't putting enough work and getting his feet in bounds. Yep. Yep, I agree. Um, we talked about Kill Witherspoon. We talked about Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Terrell Edmonds. James Pierre came in, uh, did re-injury a foot injury. Um, Cam Sutton had two pass breakups, which is great. 
but I think he dropped the pick again this game, didn't he? He had an opportunity. He did, yeah, so. he had an opportunity on one, could have had it. I mean, it wasn't easy. No, it wasn't uh, like the one he dropped last week. Yeah, yeah, he's kicking himself for it, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, I thought the Cam Sutton was probably the best secondary player in this game. Uh, James Pierre did help stop the bleeding when he came in. Uh, they immediately checked him, and he did a good job of shutting down A.J. Brown and limiting uh, the damage that was done in the second half there. Uh, also in the second half, Terrell Edmonds played a little bit better, and he got a breakup on a one-on-one later on too. Uh, so you started to see it a little bit. By by then, the, the lead was so large uh, that unless the Steelers' offense started actually clicking, it wasn't going to make a difference anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on all of that. Unfortunately, it's, let's let's talk special teams for a quick second. You know, Nick Skiba yep. came in uh, two for two on field goal attempts, which was fantastic. His longest was 38. Great kick. Um, was proud of him for that. Extra points was one for one on those. Uh, Skiba came in. He, he played well. I was I was impressed yep. with that. Uh, normally. He, go ahead. He made his kicks. But I'm going to say I was yep. disappointed on him kicking the ball out of bounds on a kickoff. Yep. Uh, and then the other ones that he didn't kick out of bounds only made it to about the five-yard line. Yeah. Uh, and we knew that he did not have the biggest leg in the world, uh, but kicking it out of bounds was devastating because you know when you're already having a hell of a time stopping the other team and they get to start at the 40 without even doing anything, uh, you, you just can't do it. So that that sucks. But his uh, field goal and extra point kicking was very good. We'll yeah. give him that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Presley Harvin, four punts for 45 yards average. One was inside the 20. Um, his longest was 55. Not a bad game from Presley Harvin, but not a good one. One of the punts was really bad. Um, I, I expected it to be a little bit. It, we had an opportunity to pin him deep, and it. I felt like it came off the side of his foot or something. Um, unfortunate there. Steven Sims had a really good return. Um, not as good, not his best one by any means, but he had a good return. He was doing his job Two kick returns for 47 yards. Uh, one punt return for only 10 yards. Steven Sims looks like a guy that he could break away. Um, and I'm excited to see it moving forward because I think, and he's even said it, he thinks he can be a game changer for us. And I love to hear that from him. I love to hear the confidence, uh, from Steven. Yeah. Sims. And, and he already has been having a return that he almost took for a touchdown in a previous game. So. I think Pittsburgh might have. It's the longest return across their future guy. Longest return for Pittsburgh that didn't go for a touchdown. <laughs> oh, really? Because that's a fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> you know what was funny about that is that watching it live and seeing those guys run him down, um, I was thinking, man, he is nowhere near as fast as I thought he was. Uh, and then it turned out that he was clocked at the fifth fastest offensive. Uh, person that week it just so happened that the guy that ran him down ran a 4-3-0 flat so <laughs> it wasn't necessarily uh, that he was slow uh, he actually was moving very fast uh, just happened to, to run up against the starting corner with 4-3 speed <laughs> yeah a little unfortunate for him for sure um, yeah bad luck what are you gonna do <laughs> yeah injuries in the game we talked about James Pierre re-injuring a foot injury uh, a killer witherspoon James, he injured something, right? Yep, his self-esteem. Uh, hopefully he can get that back because, honestly, when the dude has it, he seems to play pretty well. But uh, I would say that his self-esteem is in the tanker right now uh, because after about week three, he really wasn't playing good. And 
and this was a, a ugly return for him. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, we were really looking forward to getting them back, especially with the injuries that Levi Wallace and Josh Jackson. Uh, and then uh, there it is. He's back, but he's benched halfway through the game for poor play. Uh, so now you get yourself back in a situation of hoping that Levi Wallace can come back for the game versus the Saints uh, and maybe even Josh Jackson as well. But what do you do? You know, this he just signed a two year deal. You were hoping he'd be your number one corner, and yeah, now you don't even want him on the field when you're playing mostly nickel and have three corners out there. So yeah, that's a real bad sign. It makes me wonder if Pittsburgh won't release him at the end of the year uh, and move on. I know it's not much of a contract. It's only $4 million a year, uh, so it doesn't really hurt you that much to keep him on the team. Uh, but if you're not going to play him starting, what's the point, you know? Yep. No, I agree completely with that. Um, I agree. Starting to look more and more like Joey Porter Jr. should be the new starting corner for the Steelers next year. Yeah, right. We'll take it. We'll get we'll get him back. <laughs> we'll get the second generation. Um, again, unfortunate loss for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh now falls uh, to a record of two and six. They're fourth in the AFC North, dead last. Uh, not not even close to wild card contention at this point. But again, the season's still young. We got through the roughest part of the schedule. We'll see what happens when TJ Watt comes back. We'll see if the bye week does anything. They have more time to watch film. They have more time to prepare as a team. They have more time to make coaching adjustments if they need to. Not necessarily hiring or firing, um, but just time to change the game plan. You know, often week to week, you don't have the time to really change up your playbook or change things. This is the opportunity. I, I tell you what, Matt Canada needs to come out here with something this next game because it's not working right now. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Again, we can't thank you guys enough for listening. Reminder show next Sunday. Uh, not sure exactly time frame when that will be released, but it will be released next Sunday going over the mid-season um, standings, the stats, the what are we doing good, what are we doing bad other than everything. And we'll talk about it all. So keep an eye open for that. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, subscribe and ring the bell. It is free. And until next time, this is your host, James and Cody, signing off. Peace.